2: I've decided to do a new podcast. This one will be called Brown People, a podcast where I speak to politicians, pundits, mothers and thinkers about discovering the stories of people of colour. I'll be your host as we dive into the lives of thoughtful individuals who have maybe caught controversy but have definitely lived a life worth talking about. We'll be talking about the struggles, the triumphs and everything in between as we hear the experiences of people from all over the globe we'll be getting to the root of what drives them how they see the world and how the world sees them and how they have overcome the obstacles that life has thrown in their way this is a podcast that we're an exploration and a conversation so join us as we shine a light on the stories struggles and we look at the lives of people of color please subscribe to it today whether you're a brown person or not
3: this podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes.
4: All right. Here I am. This
5: is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. <laughs>
2: So that was your dumdy Dump. Yesterday we'll do another one at the end as host. This week's dumdy Dump was done by all of that was at the Academic Orchards and Dumdy Dum Mashup Weekend. Give yourselves a big round of applause. Hello, average
3: 3962.
2: First off, top of the shop, we have Gadget Gurley.
6: Good evening, Jacqueline Royfield and all Dumpty Dummers in Birmingham, New York, and like me, listening from home. It's Gadget Gurley here, a.k.a. Christine Murdoch. Like many of you, I don't have a lot of time for Helen as a character. However, yet again, Louisa is showing what a great actor she truly is. I listened to Friday's episode with dread, thinking that any moment Rob was about to ring the bell or her phone... No it is much worse. He is in her head and like many of you I know it is much harder to remove someone from your mind than from your life. I hope Helen has given the support she needs at this time. It was also lovely to hear Chelsea support Brad as he prepares to meet their father even although she doesn't want anything to do with him. And I wonder, just wonder, when is Oliver going to overhear George saying exactly what he thinks and what really happened on the night he broke Caroline's bench? I hope you all have a wonderful time in Birmingham and in New York and speak to you soon. Bye.
2: Mm. Do you want to unpack that for us, Madame B?
7: Thank you very much, Christine. Gadget Girlie, for your calls. Nice to hear from you. Sorry you couldn't be here with us. The actress, Louisa. Uh, Christine's very, can see, recognising the acting and I agree. You can feel Helen's fear. You can he- feel the hate for Rob. It was evident in her words this week. And as Christine says, Rob's in her head. It's the worst place anybody could be, isn't it? Mm.
2: Just, just watch we're on, on, on this, because considering what she's been through and a previous partner committed suicide, I think it is genius writing that we don't hold her in our affections. We don't. She's been through literally the worst, but somehow we can appreciate the range that the actor can portray to bring Helen to life, but
7: no, we, don't we don't like don't. her. We don't like her. We've had this conversation, for the benefit of Kerry <laughs> and Sonny, we've had this conversation over the last few weeks about Helen, mm-hmm. and our Facebook page has been alive with mm-hmm. conversations about it because we didn't like her before. We felt sorry, we felt pity, we felt some poor people felt empathy with her during the Rob story, but
2: we don't <sighs> like her.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Kerry, why don't we like her? What have you guys put into the, the stew that is <laughs> Helen Archer that we just go,
4: oh? I, I think we're falling into a bit of a trap here and saying we. There are I'm quite across the current listening figures, but there are the better part of five million people listen to the Archers every week. That's an awful lot of people and with an awful lot of different opinions and yeah. attitudes. I don't not like Helen, you know. I, uh, I'm not sure I'd, she'd be my top choice of, of, of all the Ambridge residents to go out for a drink with. Yeah. I think we know who that might be. <laughs> Hello,
8: darlings. I'm still here. You know. <laughs> Doubting my gin.
2: <laughs> and so I think it's,
4: it's dangerous to make, to make
2: generalizations is, is, is yeah, what I'm trying no to say. But for, for
8: the sake you. of but,
2: a podcast but, but, where we've been a little bit glib, I think <laughs> it's fairly safe to say, if we're going to, all right, let's do a show of hands. If you are a Helen fan, raise your hand, which is, there you go. If, you're, if you go, oh, Helen Archer, mm. raise your hand. There you go, unscientific poll, yeah. and it's not necessarily the best it's, mechanism to use on a podcast. But can I ask
4: a different question? <laughs> no need to do Take that. It to over. Do the show
2: of hands. But are you
4: interested in hearing what happens to her? Yes. Yeah. That's the key. That's the key. Yes. I remember Sarah Coward, who played Caroline, doing an event quite similar to this, and one of the, th- the things she said, talking about what it takes to be an actor, is that you've got to have an interesting face. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily you got to be beautiful, but you've got to have an interesting face. And I think there's an, it's quite similar with, with radio. The character has to be interesting enough that you want to hear what's going on. Mm.
8: It's curious, isn't it? Because, of course, being inside the show and lovely Louisa, who plays Helen, superbly because without her skill and without Tim's skill, who played Rob, that storyline wouldn't have had the impact. I don't believe that it did have. But I am fascinated as an actor to know what it is that you don't like about her, the facets of her personality. It's difficult, isn't it, on the podcast to find out what that is, but maybe we can share that. Jacqueline, Yeah,
7: I I think maybe it's a very good idea, and maybe we'll do a post on, on our Facebook page this week, and we'll ask specifically that question, asked by Sonny. And we'll come back and see what people write, and that I'll let you really know. That would be really interesting. Yeah,
8: really. Interesting. We would be interested. We're in Radio Land. Is it the voice? Is it what is it? Uh, obviously, an image that's being created. I'm, am re- I'm really fascinated to know because mm. she has such terrific facets that that character as well, and I couldn't can't help but feeling sorry for her as a character. Anyway, yes, put that out. I will. We'll yeah. find out. But Sunday, can I ask you a
7: question? Yes, Have
8: you? you I
7: can't. I'm, as people who listened regularly to this podcast yes. for the last year, I'm useless at names and I am not very good at remembering the minutiae of anything that happened more than three days ago. <laughs> have you had been in many scenes with Helen that you remember?
8: Yes, I have. Not recently, but yes, I have been in scenes with her. And of course, I'm basically her aunt. There yeah. is a closeness. Obviously, yes. there is. I'd love to have more scenes with her. You never know, Carrie, she might come out and, and just want to get her aunt's take on the situation that she finds herself in, because seeing as I having a bit of a difficult time with her mother, but Auntie Lillian will be able to give her some very sound advice. But yeah, no, I have had in the past. That's the other interesting thing sometimes in The Arch is you, you find yourself not really in any scenes with some of the characters, and then suddenly you find yourself. I had some scenes with Jim uh, a good few months ago now, and I thought, gosh, Actually, I don't think I've ever had a scene with Jim before. Mm-hmm. How does Lillian respond? How does she react to this chap? It's always lovely, actually, when that happens. But yes, Carrie will write more scenes for me. No tears. No tears. No tears.
2: We will discover the real reason why we don't really warm to Helen mm-hmm. next week. Next caller iner is
0: Paul. Good morning. Roy Jacqueline and Dumpty Dummers everywhere, particularly those of you lucky enough to be gathered in Birmingham. Sorry, I couldn't make it this time. Maybe next. This is Paul in Olney and this week I'm thinking about fathers and sons in the archers. There does seem to have been a, a bit of a theme of that this week. We've got Adam searching for his biological dad Paddy and who knows what's going to come of that contact from a lady who says she's his half-sister. We've got the the ramifications for two stepfathers, for Jazz's and Ed's friendship with what's been going on with their stepson's nephew, Brad and George, and a lot of grief there. We've got a little touch of David and Ben, but I think the, the ones, there's three there that are likely to cause some plot further down the line, some issues for people. The re-emergence of Ben into Brad's life. I don't think that can be a good thing. And I'm glad Chelsea's there to support her brother, but I think it's probably a mistake going to try and re-establish a relationship with Dan. We've got Freddie and his relationship, really, with great-grandparents, great-grandfathers, and what's going on there. And yes, he's whiny, but he has got a point underneath all of that. And ultimately, can't he wait until... The estate is signed over to him and then he could do what he likes with that painting. But finally, we've all had the funeral on our minds for Ursula and Rob being back in the country. And there's that very telling warning right at the end here that there's a reminder that Jack is Rob's son. What might come of that in the future? Hope you're all having a great time. Bye now.
2: Uh, Thank you, Paul. It seems to me, Mr D, that there is this focus on men and relationships between fathers and sons and male issues, definitely around, around mental health, exemplified by Ben. Is this just us listeners reading a little bit too much into things, or did this come down from the writer's room that maybe in 2023 we should focus around um, uh, male issues?
4: Yeah, I think that sort of thing comes out of the ISA often, the... men have been notoriously bad about addressing uh, mental health issues and the like, and I think things are slowly improving now.
9: Mm -hmm.
4: It's natural that because we're portraying the drama as in the current time in 2023, that should be an area that we'd like to examine and investigate because we've got young characters, we've got characters of in that vulnerable phase. We all know the awful... Statistics, for example, that suicide is this, I'm not saying we're going to go down this route, but it is the biggest killer of young men in this country. And so that sort of thing, it would be odd if we had characters who were fighting their way in life Mm. and were a drama, that we didn't explore it. In terms of, I think somebody mentioned about this week specifically, there's a sort of father and son Theme. And yep. that's absolutely the case. Yeah. One, one of the things we're always asked to do when we are discussing our week, because one writer writes one week, Sunday to Friday, in the script meeting, is to say what we feel the theme is. And sometimes it's very clearly been given to us. And sometimes you look at your week and suddenly think, oh, this is all about new beginnings. Or this is all about people trying to solve something and making it worse. It's an odd thing, The Archers, oh, in so many ways. But one of the many ways in which it's an odd thing is that it is both, every week, it's six 13-minute dramas and it's a 75-minute radio play and it's a 70-year story. And so for, obviously, in every episode, you have story arcs, things come, they Climax, they've moved, some are started, some are coming to an end, this sort of thing. But to make the omnibus a satisfying listen, there should also be a feeling, it doesn't have to be explicit, but there should be a feeling of a theme and a shape. Mm. Yeah. So we do try and then when we're writing, we're thinking, how is this playing against the overall theme
2: mm. for the week? And when you're called upon, Sonny to be a key part in a specific storyline. Are you aware that there is this kind of overall arching theme as well?
8: Not necessarily. I wouldn't have thought. But you you play the stories that are coming out. So I think as an actor, you're very much in it. And Kerry is a writer; he's seeing the overall shape of something, as are all the other writers. And, and Jeremy, who's our editor, I think we we take the story as it comes to us, and of course. You play each episode as you receive it as well, because if you're in, say, a three month story, it's got an arc, maybe for three months, you finish one month's storyline, but you don't quite know how it's going to play out the following month. So really, we, we tend to play it from episode or month to month, really. Yeah.
4: And I think actors differ, don't they? Some, some are quite keen to know where's the story going. Yeah. Others really don't want to know mm. because the character doesn't know.
8: Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And, and sometimes you can find yourself in scenes which you're, are a peripheral character to a major storyline that's going on. And, so, and, and really, sometimes you think, would Lillian actually say that? But actually, it's because you're supporting what's going on, you become what we call wallpaper sometimes within a scene. I know th- through the years, I've said, oh, Gosh, I'm sure I'm not sure Lillian would have gone this way, but actually, that's life, isn't it? And that can happen to us all. You suddenly look down the line five years ahead, and you think, "I never thought this was going to happen to me." And that—that's quite good, actually. When you do get major storylines, you do think it would be nice to know how this ended, and then I can maybe play back a bit. But actually, I think Kerry's right in a way. I—I I think. It's just good to play the scenes as they come up because you know your character terribly well. That's the joy of being in a soap, whether it be a radio or whether it be TV, to be the character for so long. Because normally as an actor, you're just for maybe the run of a play or the run of a TV series. But to play a long term character in a soap is a real privilege. And actually you get to know that character terribly well. And so you can find yourself... Like with Jim. I was just mentioning that I did scenes with Jim. I'd never had scenes with him before. That was a lovely challenge. And I I think this is how she'd respond to this. I think this is how she would respond to it. I think the long term characters in The Archers, I think we have less anxiety about how we will respond to things. I think we'll just take it from moment to moment generally or scene to scene episode. Yeah.
2: So you don't get triggered when their caller and his name is Paul, thinking of love lost.
8: <laughs> there's a bit of weeping that goes on, that's for sure. That is for sure. It would be amazing if he returned, wouldn't it? Like, there's a bit, a bit of Dallas going on now, would not there? I'm mean, sure Mike would like that to say Paul. I think that would be good.
2: <laughs> now, folks, the best and the easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go on to www.speakpipe.com. Don't forget the T in the middle. You can also find a link in the show notes.
7: Or you can send us a voice note via WhatsApp on plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. This all gets very confusing, this next bit, because normally we need your calls in by six PM on a Sunday UK time. But things are going to change in the next few weeks. And it's going to be a funny little month, May, because we're going to be skipping around all over the country, all over Europe, with different hosts for the next month or so whilst until we get settled into another rhythm. Next week, we might be recording Dumpty Dum earlier. So can you please keep an eye on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page and Twitter and we'll confirm what's happening as soon as we know, as soon as the future hosts of next week's at least uh know they'll put it out. So keep an eye on everything. We'll know when to get your calls in. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part.
2: Now, this is the people's podcast as penned by Stephen Bowden. We need your help just to keep the show on the road. First of all, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe, hit the subscribe button on Apple iTunes or whatever podcast streamer that you use. Secondly, a five star review would be most awesome. What, well, be true to yourself if you think we only deserve one point, one star, give us that too. We'll even read that out. We don't mind. Every review is a learning exercise. Now, thirdly, you could consider becoming a Patreon. Patreon is a great way of tipping creators, and there are different levels with different rewards. Though I think, as according to our people, we need to simplify that, just make it super simple. And so that could well be happening. So, but anyway, go on to Patreon and support the People's Podcast. And you can do that by going to patreon.com, searching for Dum Dum. We'd be delighted to have your support. You can be as cool and as suave and as generous as Glyn Fullerlove. That's how we got to sponsor the show. Big round of applause again to Glyn Fullerlove. And to all the other Patreons. What we do, we go through the list of Patreons and people who support us on PayPal, and those are the sponsors of the show. If you don't want to give us a small recurring payment, and we understand times is hard, what you can do is hit that donate button on dumdudum.com and you can also sponsor us then. Now, there's been a new addition to Dum, which has been a rip-roaring success. Now, it comes in the form of Stephen's Corner, Stephen's Two Minutes, Stephen Bowden. Come on and please deliver your latest two-minute missive.
9: Here's a, hello you, two-minute history of some notable Ambridge Brummies and folk from the black country. Uh, So feel free to cheer the ones you like and boo the ones you don't. (laughs) Starting with Jack Woolley. Yay! He was born, he was from Sturchley and moved to Ambridge in 1962. Over the next 10 years, he bought Grey Gables Country Club, Arkwright Hall, the Borchester Echo, and the village shop. There isn't time to deal with all of his adventures, but I can't not mention the 1989 village fate, when his Staffordshire Bull Terrier captain won the dog most Like It's Master Prize. (laughs) Jack died in 2014. In 1963, Sid Perks arrived in Ambridge, also from Sturchley, as a 15-year-old graduate of an approved school, where he'd been sent after a conviction for breaking and entering. He started off as Jack's chauffeur and handyman, then worked at the garage and the village shop before taking on the bull, first with his wife Polly, and then with Kathy, and then via the infamous shower scene with Jolene. He died in 2010. <laughs> in the 1990s, Jason started working in Ambridge as a builder. He worked on most of the buildings in the village, but is probably best remembered for his time at Honeysuckle Cottage, where he managed to uproot almost all the honeysuckle. Haley Jordan arrived in Ambridge in 1995 as John's girlfriend. After John's death, she persuaded Tom to take on John's sausage business, working with him until the Bridge Farm archers refused to allow her to be a partner. She later married Roy and they had a daughter, Abby, but it didn't last and she moved back to Birmingham. After Betty... Wait for it. (laughs) After Betty Tucker's death, Mike Tucker took up ballroom dancing, And while doing that, he met Vicky, who was from Birmingham. They married and had a daughter, Bethany, before they too moved back to Birmingham. More recently, we encountered Adrian Miam York, the young Grundy's (laughs) PE teacher at Borchester Green, whom Eddie drove to his wedding in his limousine. Last year, we met Brad and Chelsea's father, Den, who turned up again only this week with hilarious consequences. And this year, we found Jill's old mucker, Sykesy, being miserable at the laurels. Then finally, there are the cases. (laughs) Vince came to our attention when he was buying the local abattoir. In addition to winning the auction for the slaughterhouse, Vince won the heart of Elizabeth, who was also approved of by his mother, Iris. Meanwhile, two of his three daughters, Steph and Beth, managed between them to drive Ben Archer into a bad place, and I don't mean Darrington. (laughs) <laughs> the third daughter Shelley, has yet to make her mark
2: just there's mention of Dan Dennis there again and Birmingham City never gets a mention the football club never gets a mention in the archers and then when it does it's a wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> don't think that... I didn't true,
4: notice We've we, we mentioned we've got a few Villa fans, haven't we? Well, yeah. I, think a Villa fan I don't think we've yeah. ever
7: think had the, mention yeah. of
4: Birmingham City. Was that I, the I,
7: Blue? Was that the, the Blue? Yes, exactly. We said, yeah, yeah we had this conversation earlier. Yeah.
4: <laughs> they're known as the Blues. I don't know in this instance whether that was uh, given to the writer. I suspect mm. not. I suspect it was probably he, a detail that the writer... Put in. ...who was Paul Broderick this week, uh, actually invented... He lives not far from Birmingham, so he'd perhaps be a, aware of the Blues. And he just thought it was a good way of getting into two blokes at a bar having a conversation. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, sorry about that. If and to all, <laughs> all Blues supporters there, we're not saying that all Blues supporters are
2: shifty
1: bad fathers, <laughs>
4: obviously.
2: <laughs> now, what we should do, go from Small Heath, which is where Birmingham City play, and maybe go to the upper, lower east, west side, and it's R with a spoon.
4: Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads
9: and scrambled eggs.
3: Mercy. Ah. Greetings, Royfield, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dummers in Birmingham and around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Royfield, would you believe it's the eighth anniversary, almost to the day, of my first caller in. I did so with a mixture of anxiety and excitement, who knew what it would all lead to. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I didn't start regularly saving the transcripts of my caller-ins for a while, so I don't have the first one, but I do have what was perhaps the third one in May 2015. I started off with greetings to Lucy and Royfield and all Dumpty Dummers around the world on this beautiful wedding day of Ed and Emma. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, as I'm back from Toronto, I had a lovely time and a couple of pints with the brilliant Mary not Contrary. As an aside, the Dumpty Dum elders will remember Mary and her great collarins. Her baby must be nearly nine by now. I then say, first we turn attention to Rob, who is becoming more and more nefarious. And kudos to Lucy for accurately predicting the course of this story. There was still much more to unfold with Rob. This was at the time we learned that he had blocked the culvert, causing the flood. I asked, will he be run out of town on a rail, twirling his mustache, while Helen cries in the corner, defending him to the bitter end? Wow, little did we know what was to come. And here we are, eight years later, talking again about Rob and Helen. Briefly, as I noted in the conference, both Helen and Pat are exhibiting signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. What is going to happen? Will Rob reappear? Considering the recent emphasis on Helen and Lee's relationship, I fear Pat will do something that will set off a chain of events that will lead to another Shakespearean tragedy for the archers of Bridge Farm. Will both Rob and Lee meet their demise? What do you think? Talk to you soon. Madame, what do you think?
10: That's
7: the first time I've heard that, Colin. I'm actually in a state of shock. Another tragedy think my poor little brain would cope with it. No. I suppose we have to ask mm. what other people think at this table.
2: Kerry, you're, you're a gentleman who can actually twirl his moustache.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know you can't really tell us what's, hap- what's going to happen in the future. No. Rob will set foot in Ambridge again,
4: He's not
7: going he? to answer that wrong,
4: you know, yeah. right. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it, obviously, I can't. So it, you know, some people may think of Chekhov's gut. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that i can't I, I can't say what we're going to do what we're going to plan all the rest of it i do think it's very interesting though that, that we've actually several people now have said that the worst place to have somebody is in your head and it would be very interesting would it not to to play the story out can, mm. uh, with rob entirely within yeah. helen's head
2: yeah and and there was that scene where lee went to comfort helen and she recoiled Yes. Well, that
7: was real
2: post-traumatic. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And an echo of
4: something that indeed
2: mm. happened when, yes. they, when they first got together, yeah. if you
4: remember yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think it's wonderful. It's a real joy to work on a show where I was thinking of this in, in, in the slightly different, very different context, the context of Adam and Paddy Redmond, his real father, where we are calling back to a story that happened in the late 1960s there. Mm. And this now is, as Witherspoon was saying, eight years ago. It's fabulous to have that hinterland, mm.
2: that richness to, to draw on. Mm. Considering the long memories of not only the script writers, the listeners, etc., does that sometimes even create a bit of a problem? Because there are so many different threads which can be pulled upon in terms of giving, creating new storylines. Because there is so much of a legacy.
4: Not for me, certainly. I think it's. I do think it's a real strength. It's often the case when we've got this rich archive. Even with a brand new story that is about a completely different topic. When you do the research, stuff comes out of it. You no know, story, it just happens. You think, oh, let's do this story. There's always some elements of research to how it would work in the real world and this sort of thing. The more research you do, the more you have to draw on then to, to tell the story with. And I think it's very much the same when you've got such a rich archive. It's not to say that people don't change over time or that people, sometimes a criticism is, oh, that's really out of character. But how many times has somebody in your own life done something And you thought, that's really out of character. Because Mm. being out of character is also part of the human condition as well. So it doesn't necessarily tie our hands. It's not deterministic. But my goodness me, it gives us a lot to draw on. Mm.
8: And and it's also great for the actors. Uh, I'm thinking at the minute, Andrew, who plays Adam. I'm sure he will be relishing this whole storyline now, investigating his father, Paddy, because it gives you something else to, 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 to get hold of as an actor. So I think we always welcome, actually, when new strands come in, maybe from the past that we're only ever talked about, we never necessarily, the actors that are playing the today, actually live through. So, yeah, we relish it. It's another challenge. It's great.
2: When, obviously, Lillian just lost her sister, mm. how did you prepare? You're in it a lot then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: How, how did you prepare for the emotional portrayal of, of that?
8: I don't think you do quite prepare for it. The scripts tumble through the letterbox probably just a few days before you're going to studio. So you never quite know how the situation will be portrayed, and so on and so forth, and what your role will will be within that particular story. But obviously, we knew it was coming up. I think once we receive the scripts, you see exactly the avenue that you're taking as a character. I mean, that particular story was terribly emotional for Lillian, but also for me, Sunny, because we've been playing sisters, Angie and I, for 20-odd years. You become attached not only to your character, but also to the actor that plays that part as well but I felt very Lillian as Lillian I felt incredibly bereft and I mean I do know that the particular scene when it was discovered because Lillian was with her and when she had her heart attack that scene I was also with her the two actresses that played her daughters as well and we were all in tears we were absolutely all in tears playing that out because it's, we will never work with her again, will we? We'll, we will never have that closeness. And of course, for Lillian, they were very close. She and Jennifer were incredibly close. So I felt very bereft. It was a bit like when June left, who played Peggy, as she decided to retire, because I always maintained that really, Peggy was the only one that can put Lillian in her place in Ambridge. And suddenly, she was gone. And so you have to regroup as an actor but also, I think we're probably going to regroup as a family as well. And I think that's already beginning to happen. The dynamics are changing within the family. Alice, in a way, bless her heart, is dealing with her own grief, but she's becoming a rather young matriarch. She had the issues with Rory, she tried to help there, and with Kate, actually, and dealing with her own personal issues as well. So it is very interesting, I think, to see how it will all regroup as well. Lillian fell out, didn't she, with Tony, the brother, they fortunately, it managed to sort that out I think they will be closer now as a result of all that and again I think when David and I were doing those scenes David who plays Tony we did respond to each other in a slight different way because I don't think we'd ever had those kind of in-depth scenes before Mm. so we were making quite a journey with all that but it's tough it's tough and we will miss that character hugely in The Archers.
2: Something which we remark upon all the time is that there are these bilateral relationships all throughout the archers and actually I think one relationship which doesn't really get remarked upon is actually yours with Tony.
8: That's right, that's right. It's always been very much the little brother and it seems that I've had really in the past with Tony she's usually not ridiculing him but oh for goodness sake Tony get a grip. Um, Whereas (laughs) of course suddenly they were thrown together through this huge grief, this huge loss which made them then obviously reflect on the family and on their relationship. And as I say, that relationship will never be the same again. I think there'll be a lot of love. They've lost their sister and that has made them regroup as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely.
2: We need to crack on with these caller in but I, I could listen to you pair all day <laughs> long.
10: Madam Bertrand. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> you pair,
2: you go. Yeah. <laughs> right, Next caller in is our Vicky.
10: Hello, everybody. This is Vicky Cole I'm from my hotel in Birmingham. I am so fortunate to be at the Academic Archers Dumpty Dum weekend. It's been great so far, wonderful to put faces to all those famous voices. I think I've been a bit goofy and starstruck meeting everyone, so I'm very lucky. And thank you to everybody involved in organising it, because it must have been a huge task. I've got a few little things to say. I'm very suspicious of Erin, and I hope that there's some way that Adam and Ian will check up on what she's saying. I feel very sorry for poor little Brad, who's so mixed up. He's obviously feeling dreadful still about the whole business with the bench and George. And now, on top of all of that, he's got to deal with his father reappearing and trying to get involved in his life again. So I do hope he will be all right. I do think that the way Pat and Helen have behaved this week is an indication of how very deeply affected by Rob they both are in different ways and as with a spoon has been saying right from the beginning they need some therapy but hopefully they would realize now that they need it more than ever I think it's so clever how every time this week Helen has seemed okay for instance on Friday's episode when she and Leah settling down with the last of the wine and the boys are in bed and everything's fine the sense of dread for me that builds up every time so it's exciting and um, alarming Helen's reaction though was not what I was expecting I was I don't know what I was expecting but I do hope she'll be alright anyway great to talk to everyone great to meet the ones I've met talk to you soon bye
2: thank you Vicky Cole oh, what do you reckon Madame Berto what in that quartering in can you get your teeth into
7: you've always called Vicky Cole your Vicky Cole because she is I've
1: claimed her now <laughs> There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.
7: She's another one who's got a foot in two camps. <laughs> because yesterday, Vicky, with along with Valerie, were absolute stalwarts on our memorial sheet thing. I can't remember what we even called it yesterday. <laughs> and cloth, that's right, the memory cloth. And she sat and sewed all day. And we chatted and we sewed and we shared scissors. And we have become buzz and pals. So you have to she show She worked her foot.
2: There. Poor fingers to the bone, <laughs> yeah. quite,
9: quite literally.
7: <laughs> literally, very much. There was blood pouring off her hands by the end, <laughs> end of the afternoon. But Vicky there talked about Pat and Helen and therapy, and that's something that I've been thinking for a long time. I'm sure Helen must have had some support when she was on remand or afterwards, but Pat, certainly never heard of her having therapy. Mm. As many people in the room know, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations with uh, my eldest daughter and we had family therapy. I had, have since she died, I've had therapy. And it's helped enormously to cope with the trauma mm. people need. And I think in this day and age, we should recognise that people need it. We're not in the 1950s. It doesn't have to be put in a drawer and put away.
2: Yeah, Kerry, is that an issue for writers of contemporary drama that actually, modern day, a load of us are running off and having therapy? Right. Whereas what you want, as you said, and also what the listeners want, is conflict, is people uh, making mistakes after trauma and then bumping them wa- their way to some level of resolution, as opposed to turning up at three o'clock every Thursday, speaking for 40 minutes, being charged for an hour by a therapist.
4: Yeah, it's people can still make mistakes and have a bumpy road, even when they're in therapy, of course. True. And I know this is something that has been mentioned over the years, that perhaps, and I think one of the reasons is, perhaps we have a number of therapy practitioners in our audience who are champing at the bit to say, oh, please say this person needs help, and I know how they could be helped, and so on. It's not hugely dramatic, unless you choose to go deeply into the therapy session. We all know The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. Literally, episode one, scene one, was Tony Soprano with his therapist, and that was absolutely fascinating. But we don't have the space within our programme to to do that. Certainly, I think sometimes we should remember that many people would, in the situation that we are putting them in, be having therapy. We did with Ben, of course. He had support. And we've heard Alice... have support and as absolutely, well. Yes. Yeah. So I think perhaps we've
2: become a little more mm. alive to that over the years. Gotcha. We need to crack on with Caller Inneres. Next up is David. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline,
11: and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. BC Maetto is David from Carmarthenshire with sound effects provided by my Balwin Sheep, who are very noisy today for some reason. I hope you're having a great time in Birmingham. I really wish I could be there to join you all, but maybe next year. The reason I'm calling is I want you just to say a word of advice to Lee. Save yourself now. <laughs> what on earth is he doing with Helen? She is just so appalling, and she's been really odious this week. <laughs> on Friday in particular, she was very brusque with Tracy when she ran into her in the shop and just gave her the brush off, basically, and didn't want to engage in any kind of conversation with her at all, which I thought was actually really rude. It's obvious that Helen thinks that she's a cut above the likes of the Horobins and sees no reason to engage with them unless she needs something from them. And then that scene with Lee and Helen at home on Friday night after their paella. Firstly, she made an oblique comment about the fact that Lee hadn't cooked and maybe he can cook the paella next time, mm. which I thought was quite controlling and not very friendly and fair. And then this whole thing about the guidebook. Lee, do you want to look at the guidebook now so I get it out of my locked handbag for you? No, Lee, get up out of your chair, walk across the room, and pick up the book off the shelf. If you want to look at it, have a look at it. She's talking to Lee like he's a five-year-old child. Oh, it's just the whole thing is appalling. She's just such an odious, horrible character. I can't bear her. I know, of course, at the end of the episode, she was triggered by something that reminded her of her time with Rob, uh, with Lee's comments about wanting to go away with her. But uh, no, I'm sorry. No time for Helen. Lee, save yourself. Get out now. <laughs> anyway, hope you're all having a great time. Really wish I could be there next year for sure. Oil amateur, or should that be tarot a bit? Or whatever they say in Birmingham. Anyway, Jochen Bauer, <laughs> oil.
7: Wasn't that a perfect call after our visit from Ness yesterday, the Foley artist? It was really, real sound effects. Uh, mm. Brilliant. And in fact, I think more and more we're getting calls with people adding, not adding, <laughs> being unafraid of making your call outdoors. Glyn used to call in often from the outdoors during the COVID. But everything ties up, I think, with uh, everything that happened yesterday and Ness and Shona's. I'm sorry, but when you were listening to the Omnibus today, when we heard Bess rolling over, did you all see Ness on on the (laughs) (laughs) floor? Definitely.
2: (laughs) But more proof that the listeners don't really warm to Helen.
7: No,
8: it's so curious. I mm.
7: find it so We're going to do our research and get mm. back to you we'll directly tell you. David, please get on that Facebook page as soon as I've put
2: up the post. <laughs> <laughs> all right, from David in Wales, we go to Julia.
12: Hi, Royfield, Jacqueline and Dumpty Tummers all gathered in Birmingham. This is Miss Christmas Calling. Sorry I couldn't be there this weekend, but I can't wait to see all the photos and hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Currently sunning up in Tenerife promise this was recorded before the all-inclusive cocktails. All my thoughts this week are just on Tracy Jazza and her ex-husband, boyfriend, ex-boyfriend. You can't remember. have to correct me on that one. But I just think it's wild that Jazza would have no idea what he looked like. Maybe he saw a family photo or a Facebook photo. Maybe it's a generational thing. But I think if she was with him so long, had two children, then I feel like Jazza would know what he looked like. Anyway, I hope you will have a wonderful rest of weekend and had lots of brilliant catch-ups. And I can't wait to be at the next one. Thanks so much. Have a lovely weekend.
2: That is actually uh, a, a relevant point in two ways, with the, specifically with the character of, of Jazza. I hadn't thought about it, but I think she's spot on, that you're going to have seen a photograph of... Chelsea and Brad with their dad?
4: <laughs> no. No? I think it's a valid point to raise... It, it's valid to raise the question, but I think it could go... B- because we know how... How Tracy has so shut that door and turned her back on on that, that it's... I, mean, I, just, I don't think there are... You know, there are definitely no photos on public display in number six, The Green. At the other... At, Half of this is Jazza, and I've got to say, other people's family snaps. Yes, he may well have seen yeah, them. Yeah.
8: Is he really the sort of guy yeah. that's going not to aware. committed?
4: Yeah. Den's face no, to memory. Indeed. I suspect probably not. And, and absorbed
8: know. it because I mean, it's when you see people out of context, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's not making that kind of connection. And you know, photographs.
4: And Den has transitioned, of course, since then.
8: <laughs> yes. That's true. That's true. Along with calling himself Dennis, absolutely. <laughs> Dennis. Denise, Denise. <laughs> Dennis. That's yeah. it, Royfield. Dennis. Yeah. But I think that's it, isn't it? And maybe even photographs around the house, as you say, Kerry wouldn't really absorb them. He was a younger man. Maybe he's gone grey now. You know what I mean? There is a whole kind mm. of different. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it from both points of view. But mm. I can also think that. Yeah. yeah. Out of context.
4: The golden rule is anything that you hear in the Archers. It should be possible. It doesn't even have to be <laughs> probable. It just certainly doesn't have to be the most likely outcome. It is possible. I, mm. I understand it's perfectly valid to raise the question, yeah. but I think it's certainly possible. possible. would possible. It, yeah. it wouldn't it's have possible. registered in it's this possible. sort of completely out of context yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't have
2: expected
10: to see him that,
2: would yeah. he? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Thank you for that, Miss Christmas. Now now it's, it's Amy.
10: Hi, this is Amy calling from New York City where Witherspoon, Debbie, Paula, and I had a lovely meetup and pub meal yesterday. Not counting Witherspoon, none of the rest of us had ever called in before, though it seems we've all been fans of the Archers and of Dumpty Dum for ages. So I'm finally checking in to thank you, Royfield and Jacqueline and the fabulous previous hosts and all the wonderful Dumpty Dummers for everything that you do and bring to this enterprise. And I'm sure that all of you are having a simply fantastic time in Birmingham. Cheers.
2: Uh, Thank you, uh, Amy. And isn't that just like the strength of this wonderful community that whilst we were meeting up in Birmingham, people meeting up uh, with with Willspoon in in New York?
7: And we tried to Zoom. We tried to (laughs) FaceTime. We tried everything. And we were on this... What Royfeld had described as a beautiful, calm, roof terrace. Uh, I said nothing of the
2: sorts. I said it was going to be a banging club. With-
7: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've never been anywhere so no- noisy. was about 13, I think.
2: <laughs> so to be fair to me, I'd been there only twice before. N- neither time did they play music. So as soon as I got there, I did apologise. And apologize.
7: We, we ought to send a little apology note to the fact that Stephen Bowden managed to disable several of the speakers. <laughs> 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 well done, Stephen So we tried to link up with the Friday New York lunchtime mashup And we saw them briefly We couldn't hear a word they were saying And all I kept worrying about was Because I couldn't hear what they were saying I kept holding my phone to my ear And thought, oh, is the inside of my ear <laughs> Anyway, it was a good attempt And thank you, New Yorkers And thank you for calling in, Amy
2: Yes, thank you It's
7: the end of the call, Renner is Right.
2: At this point in proceedings, normally we'd go from caller inners to email iners, but I believe we've had nil point.
7: Absolutely no one this week, because all, all the people who normally email us are here. Yeah, the they're room,
2: actually <laughs> here, aren't they? Yeah. So no email winners this week. But folks, um, if you are a little bit reticent about uh, calling in and uh, you know, hearing your voice on, on, on a podcast, uh, why don't you email in or send us a, a text on plus447957167696 on WhatsApp. And we will read it out. Now, uh, we did actually receive a a review this week. It wasn't the most flattering of reviews, Madam Berto? And so I'm taking you taking your advice in. He says, "Let this is a weekend of celebration." Yeah, yeah. Let's. Let, We'd have people booing and th- this person's thoughts and feelings but we'll read it out next week
7: it was one oh, Saving Grace they gave us two stars mm, and they could mm. have given us one yes
2: exactly, exactly. So think
7: positive mate yep. think
2: positive it's one more star than we, we had two more stars than we had last week
7: yes because we had they, no reviews last there week there you go there you go right but the now the previous weeks we had lots of
2: fives
7: <laughs> now it's time
2: for us to hear who has won tweet of the week but here is Theo our purple pumpkin and she's going to rank Our tweets of the last seven days.
5: Hello, Jacqueline, Royfield, Kerry, Sunny, fellow Birmingham meter-uppers and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of tweets of the week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen, Quentin and everyone else who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best tweets. This week, we're not worrying about why Ed Grundy, who was in the pub with Jazza and Jim... Failed to recognise his wife's aunt's ex-partner. <laughs> Keep with me. The Archers Twitter has been rather busy with people tweeting about the mash-up with the Academic Archers this weekend. A factoid I particularly enjoyed from a session I missed was from Claire Hasbury, a, at Claire J. Hasbury. Considering death in the Archers, at Academic Archers, over the years more people died in the pub than in an ambulance – and the 1980s was the decade with the most deaths. Given the seniority of a number of well-loved characters, I wonder if the 80s will retain its record for deaths. But to avoid an endless recursive loop of self-reference to the event I'm at, I will now present <laughs> Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's Rainbow Warrior at Rainbow underscore Warrior. Anyone else having trouble separating out the online vitriol towards Rob... And Rob this week. I'm seeing friends and realise it's the other one they're talking about. In silver, it's KJ at Eggstones, who's here. At least Jazza didn't sleep with them. And the gold medal goes to Miranda at Apple Android app. It's no accident that Rob is in the UK and the mobile emergency alert test is today. <laughs> So
2: that's it for this week see you all on Twitter next week <laughs> thank you Theo and congratulations to everybody who got a gold silver or bronze gong now Madame Berto the next bit is in red
7: we are on Twitter and you can find us at Dum, where you can join in the tweet along fun by using the hashtag TheArchers with a capital T and a capital A which helps the visually impaired to join in the fun and I can be found on Twitter as Jberto Sanguen.
2: Now, don't forget folks as well as twitter of course we're also on instagram go and type in at Dumdum. and now that is run by the most awesome wonderful katie who was with us this weekend who i know has just, just had to jump on a train if you like things on instagram we are on instagram
7: and you find me there i'm simply jacqueline Berto. so it remains just to say thank you as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos but this is a special occasion and, oh God, I'm going to cry now. <laughs> and I want to give a special thanks to Royf, who brought us all together, making us a family. Starting this podcast 10, ten, ten years ago with Lucy was fab- a fabulous idea and you thought it would last nine months. And we've just, this is about 538th episode, approximately, because I'm not very good at maths either. Thank you for allowing me to share the joy for the last year. And rest assured, our little dum-de-dum family won't let you down. You're leaving it in safe hands. Thank you. (laughs) As ever, we also thank Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy V. Freeman. It's given me great joy to be sitting at this table with royalty, <laughs> and so we offer all of us dum-de-dum <laughs> special thanks to Sonny Ormond and Uncle God Kerry Davis for being here at us. And in fact, we have just a little something to say Thank you. Dr. Cara Courage and Dr. Nicola Headlam are oh, going to present. Oh, oh,
8: thank you. Lovely. lovely. For thank the you. listeners, beautiful flowers. Thank you. Thank you for
10: asking us.
7: Beautiful flowers. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, some people who were here and lots of people who followed me on Twitter or on Facebook and the Dumpty Dum and the Academic Archers page. And in fact, is issued the academic, academic Archers Twitter address new because it, it seemed... All right. Well, it's been very well used this weekend, which is fantastic. Now, a lot of people will know that we've done this memorial cloth and we decided to have a raffle to, to raise some funds for a charity. Also, Helen Burrows made a crocheted, crocheted cover and lovely Nick Maxwell donated a patchwork, out, the Ambridge Patchwork Quilt, which she'd been working on for several academic archers conferences, I think. And so they've all been won by people along with a few nice special items. And we raised a sum total of £545 yesterday. And it's been sent to Refuge. We've told Refuge, they've given us a receipt, but unfortunately it says, thank you, Jacqueline because they didn't although I gave the references yeah but anyway they've got it thank you all very much for your generosity thank you for giving thank you for spending time raising funds and I think it's ongoing that Refuge has been a very important charity for us at Dum-de-Dum but the Archers community since the Robin Helen storyline thank you all
2: I think that's been your dum dum and and thank you, everybody, for coming from near and far to be with us to have Holy Communion over all things Borsitia. It's been wonderful to, to see you all. If I haven't got round to you and said hi and said something, I do apologize. It has been <laughs> the most amazing of weekends that I've had. But I am going to try and say hello to, to a few special people who have not only contributed to the podcast, but actually made my journey of doing it really quite special there's been times when i've been a a little bit lonely why the heck am i doing this and to hear that that through through the podcast it's actually inspired people to launch businesses jen really utterly means a lot ultimately i just like farmers and rural folk talking about stuff and and i did and i decided that i didn't want to get a real job if i could just talk into a microphone maybe that that would end up being a living and it has become a living and that's partly one of the reasons why i have to put this down i'm what anyway but to hear the inspiring stories like what you said the other day Jen. And also the fact that now you've got a friendship with Rob and with Bernadette and you guys have actually met up. This is a real thing. Again, I'd like to thank everybody who's allowed me to play out the, the, this wonderful, silly dream that um, I could talk about this radio soap and, and and earn some level of a living, if not some, some level of notoriety from it. Big ups to you all. Thank you.
7: Thank you. Are we going to sing a Dumpty Dum?
2: Oh crumbs yes I'm not
7: going to with Mike's too close but
2: <laughs> <herself> <felicimasu.
5: Hai>. <nutri> <inaudible>